more than 20 years ago, Carrefour opened up the first hypermarket in Romania. It was the first retailer to come in Romania with a hypermarket. In retail, technology can make huge difference. The retailers have to be fast. They have to provide a perfect customer experience across all channels. They have to have clean operations from the moment they take the product to the moment the product gets to the customer. And that's where the technology knocks to the door. It comes and they can solve a lot of problems. I like to say that I do tech for business, not tech for tech, and bring value to the business through technology. Where do I spend most of my time is understanding how I can do that, speaking with the business, understanding the business processes, and bringing the technology that will help that particular problem. This is Siona TV. My name is Hendrik Deckers. I'm here today with Gabriela Stenica, who is the Chief Information, the Chief Data Officer, and the e-commerce director at, uh, at Carrefour Romania. A very warm welcome, Gabriela. Thank you, Hendrik. Great to be here. Gabriela, you have a Master of Mathematics from the University of Bucharest, where we are today, and you worked 13 years at Avon in different IT positions. Um, you were the CIO of Vodafone Romania, the head of marketing IT Europe and North Africa at BAT, and since 2020, you were selected as the CIO of Carrefour Romania. So, Gabriela, Tell us a little bit more about yourself. How, why the hell did you go into IT? Uh, who are you, what's your background and how did you arrive in this position? Sure, first of all, I'm 44. Mm -hmm. I'm married, I have a child. She's uh, seven years old only. Mm -hmm. I was quite lazy, so she came late, but at least she came. I love music and my favorite city in the world is New York. Mm -hmm. I was uh, born in a small city from Romania. Uh, my father was a math teacher. He was my model. I wanted to follow his footsteps, so I went to the University of Bucharest, studying mm -hmm. mathematics here in Bucharest, with the intention to become a math teacher. Okay. That was my dream as a child. Uh, as I got closer to graduating university, I decided to switch to technology because it was close. And back then, it was um, an excited, exciting field to be, to be in. Not that it's not today, but back then it was something new. And it was a male-dominated one. Still today, but Still back in today, the days, much more. Back even. in the days, much more. Yep. If I look back at my university days, uh, out of 100 uh, students, there were probably five women, uh -huh. out of which two was me and my twin sister. I have a twin <laughs> sister. So I graduated math, uh, I decided to switch to technology, mm -hmm. and my first job was in a company for women, mm -hmm. Avon Cosmetics. Okay. I was the first woman in IT, in Avon Cosmetics in Romania. And I started from the bottom, really. Mm -hmm. I was a developer, and uh, I worked hard. I had different positions in Avon. And at some point, I got offered the IT director role for Mobile Center of Excellence in New York. New York. What an, what an exciting opportunity. Exactly. I was 35. Uh -huh. I moved to New York. Mm -hmm. And I had the experience of my life, both professionally and personally. I grew as a leader there. And I learned a lot from a, from a personal point of view. And music. It was a lot of music in New York. <laughs> I have to admit it. 
Um, then I moved back to Romania, uh, and after 13 years of uh, beauty, technology for beauty in Avon Cosmetics, yeah. I decided to make a change. I was curious to see what is out there. I moved to Telecom. Mm -hmm. I was uh, the CIO of Vodafone Romania for one year. It was a tough role, different speed, different expectations, high tech, and I learned uh, a lot of resilience. A lot of resilience, a lot of technology, and again, a male-dominated area, especially in telecom. Yeah. I moved to London for two years in British American Tobacco, a great company to work for. Again, another personal and professional experience. Mm -hmm. And pandemic came. Okay. Pandemic found me in London in 2020, and in the same year, I got approached by Carrefour, Romania, and I said yes. I said yes because I wanted to come back home, first of all, and secondly, because retail is such a dynamic field. Mm -hmm. And Carrefour Romania, I knew back then, and I know more now, that it is the most innovative retailer from the Romanian market. Yeah. In retail, technology can make huge difference. Retailers has to be fast, they have to provide a perfect customer experience across all channels. Yep. They, have, they have to have clean operations from the moment they take the product to the moment the product gets to the customer. And that's where the technology knocks to the door. It comes and they can solve a lot of problems. So here I am after one year in Carrefour as a CIO. I extended my role. I took over the responsibility of data, which okay. is huge in retail as well. Innovation, so I, uh, I was in charge with innovation and I'm still in charge with innovation. And starting this year, so year two, I became responsible of e-commerce. So beyond IT, I took over a business responsibility, e-commerce, yeah. which is one of the strategic priorities for Carrefour, okay. as we will discuss. So Carrefour, a household name, we all know it as a big retailer. Tell us a bit about Carrefour Romania. Where do we need to position that? Uh, Carrefour Romania, first of all, is an innovator. Mm -hmm. They've always been like that uh, since the beginning. Uh, more than 20 years ago, Carrefour opened up the first hypermarket in Romania. It was the first retailer to come in Romania with a hypermarket. New concept for Romania back then. And since then, we grew up to over 300 stores. As of today, we have over 300 stores different formats, mm -hmm. proximity, hypermarket, supermarket, and we also invested a lot in building up uh, online business. Okay, so what is it that Carrefour does really, really well? So Carrefour is an innovator. They, Carrefour always been uh, an innovator in the retail, in the market. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would like to speak about the omnichannel experience that Carrefour creates and about the technology that we used since very early days in order to enhance the customer experience. Yeah. So speaking about omnichannel, um, first of all, Carrefour came to Romania more than 20 years ago mm -hmm. with the first hypermarket. Um, and since then we evolved at over 300 stores. Mm -hmm. We now have uh, all formats in the entire country. Yeah. It's proximity, it's supermarket, it's hypermarket, it's all, and it's also online. In the online channel, we invested since 2015, mm -hmm. uh, when uh, Carrefour created Bringo, 
which is a personal shopper that brings all the products from the hypermarket to your door in 90 minutes. Okay. 90 minutes? It was huge during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, we grew a lot during the pandemic. So what you basically do, you download your application, you place the order from the closest hypermarket. Again, you have 50,000 SKUs to your fingertips. You will have a personal shopper that goes into the store. They will do... The, they will select the product as you select the product. In yep. 90 minutes, it's going to be up to your door. Okay. Uh, I would like to highlight that this concept was exported outside Romania as well. So uh, we launched it in Romania from a technology point of view, from a business point of view, from a process point of view. Yep. It was so successful that it got exported outside Romania, Belgium included. Yeah, because it's not something that... Uh, not, not invented in Belgium, I think. So, so tell us... Carrefour in general, retail business in general, and Carrefour in Romania, what, is, what are the main business challenges? You already touched on, on being a really an omni-channel company is, is, is important. And, and so I can imagine that it's really about going from a classical retail company to a digital retail company. What are really the challenges of becoming a digital retail company? Indeed, indeed. Uh, I want to go back a bit to November last year when our CEO declared the ambition of Carrefour to become a digital retail company by 2026. That means that digital is going to be the growth driver of Carrefour and it's going to bring uh, a lot of value in, uh, in Carrefour. We, we went through a transformation over the last three years. We did quite a lot and I'll mention just three points. We tripled the business through e-commerce food in three years. We went from zero cloud adoption to 30% cloud adoption, and we invested a lot in data. Okay. We have one of the biggest data lakes in retail. It's over 8 billion transactions, mm -hmm. uh, out of which Romania, by the way, uh, does over half a million per day. Okay. So what is the challenge now? The challenge is to continue the transformation and become the best digital retailer in the world by 2026. How we are going to do that? Mm -hmm. It's about people. Yeah. It's about way of working. And last is about technology. Mm -hmm. I'll speak a bit, a bit about the way of working. Okay. I was reading um, a research from McKinsey mm -hmm. who was saying that the biggest issue that the majority of the retailers are having in the way of working, except Walmart and Amazon, who are most like a tech company, it is the, way, the, the silo way of working within the company. There are walls between the IT department and the business department. Moreover, there is little tech knowledge in-house. Yeah. It's outsourced to the providers, yeah. right? And uh, it, it creates a lot, of, a lot of delays and a lot of problems, right? Uh, you want to be fast. You want to innovate. You want to transform. You do not have the right technology people in-house. And if you have it, you work in a very old-fashioned way yeah. where IT is behind the wall and business is throwing the requirements to IT. Yeah. It takes time. And then IT goes to the third-party provider who goes to another developer and so <laughs> on. So it's a never-ending discussion. And by the time you deliver something to the customer, the developer doesn't even know what he's coding for. Right? What is, what is he coding for? So uh, that's a big challenge, to change the way of working within uh, Carrefour and become a product-based yeah. company. 
and have technology an integral part of the business. Have IT a real partner that yeah. understands what do they do, why do they do it, and what is the impact on the business side. It's a product mindset, it's a simple concept, but That's a very difficult to a implement. Very difficult one, <laughs> yes. Where are you in that journey? We started actually, and um, we have more to do. Uh, since I came to Carrefour Romania, I insourced good technical knowledge yeah. from the market. It wasn't easy because it was during the pandemic when people were not willing to make a change, yeah. the demand on the IT resources was high and so on. But I brought a lot of good technical people. I'm proud of my team mm -hmm. currently. And car now we are, we are starting to move towards the product mindset. Okay. So that's one. Uh, second one, of course, is technology. Um, and the biggest challenge is how do you balance keeping the lights on and supporting the business as usual needs yeah. versus transforming the entire ecosystem to become fully cloud? Yeah. How do you transform that um, architecture and you build it for scale and speed yeah. while doing the things that business needs tomorrow, right? Um, so uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, we are facing with, do I build this feature on this application, which was coded six years ago and is not cloud native? Yeah. Or do I refactor the application? I put it in the cloud. But will business be willing to wait? No. Do I have money to do both in parallel? No. No. <laughs> so it's a very interesting trade-off uh, that we have to make on a daily basis yep. to do what business needs in order to sell, in order to survive the tough competition yep. while transforming the technology to support the ambition on the digital architecture side. Okay. And do you have a lot of bespoke work in, 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 in your IT or you, you rely on packages uh, platforms as well? I'm very happy you asked the question, actually, yes. So um, traditionally retailers, uh, as I said, the development is not done in-house, right? Mm -hmm. The development is done outside and we have a mix of bespoke solution and um, out-of-the-shelf yeah. solutions. Um, and in interest, it's very interesting because... Um, the big retailers are actually now building applications in-house. Mm -hmm. They see it as a competitive advantage to own the code, to be better than anyone else, to do things differently. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be the big challenge for us as well. How do we do that? Are we going to insource more technology, more developers in-house? Are we going to start building more solutions yeah. specific for Carrefour? That's the big challenge. And, and um, you know, in, in terms of uh, steps at the group level, uh, we are building a smart point of sale mm -hmm. in-house. Okay. Your own point Our of sale? Our own point of sale. But then for the whole group? For the whole group. Okay. The project started, so it's going to revolutionize the point of sale, the experience um, in, the, in all the Carrefour markets. Yeah. It's built uh, at the group level. And uh, hopefully it's going to come to Romania in no less than, uh, not more than two years from now. Because I understand that typically Carrefour is pretty independent on local country level, no? That's and true. There's not a lot of, of, of standardized IT systems and, and, and so on, correct? That's correct. It comes with goods and bads, right? Yeah, of course. 
as a CIO of Romania, mm -hmm. uh, I have a team in Romania. Mm -hmm. uh, I report to the CEO of Romania. Uh, and I have the freedom to decide what technology do I pick? With whom do I build that technology? Yeah. Based on the business needs. But that happens in each and every market. Yeah. Right? So um, our CTO, global CTO, um, and within the, the CIO communities, we started to, to think through how do we change this mindset? Yeah. How do we build once and use multiple times across the market so that we, we don't spend the money at each and every market level? We don't build a solution 10 times yeah, that's for a the huge, same experience. Huge opportunity to, uh, I mean, to use the economy of scale and to reuse applications and to standardize on, on platforms and, and, and cloud and so on and so on. Let's talk a bit more about cloud. You say, is, what is your long-term vision? You believe that Carrefour Romania can be a 100% cloud company? Is, is that your, or, or is that relevant, irrelevant? That's the ambition by 2026 mm -hmm. to be fully cloud. Okay. That's the ambition. We started the journey. It's not easy because we have uh, a lot of obsolescence, a lot of old technologies. We have to refactor the application. Yeah. Uh, it, it's going to be a journey. We'll see. We'll see. I have good people. And... Uh, we have support, we have the partnership with Google to make it happen. Okay. So yes, by 2026, that's the ambition, to be fully cloud. Okay. So that's cloud. So we talked about technology, we talked about the way that you operate. Let's talk about data as well. That must be very close to your heart, right? So what's, what's, your, what's your vision around Carrefour Romania becoming really, really data-driven and how do you approach that? In retail, the good part is that we have a lot of data. A lot of data is first-party data that we can also monetize, yeah. right? We started and we have a program uh, at the group level, which is digital retail media. Mm -hmm. It's called Carrefour Links. We are partnering with uh, Criteo and LiveRamp to monetize the data with our suppliers. So That's that means one. that you can summarize what your customers are buying, what they're buying together, what the trends are and so on. And, and sell that knowledge to the, to the uh, product companies? Yes. And this is all done by following the GDPR rules. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a thing that is ongoing on the data side. Yeah. Uh, you are talking about challenges, mm -hmm. right? With, with a lot of data, a lot of systems, a lot of custom-made, a lot of vendors, yeah. the big challenge is the data governance and the quality of the data. Yeah. Uh, and this is something that we are working on right now, to, to govern our data, to have a proper data catalog, and to be able to consume the data in order to get insights yeah. and predict what's going to happen. So you were asking me about what is my vision. We are working on a lot of things right now mm -hmm. to use the data on the benefit of the business. Yeah. Uh, we are working to optimize the price and promotion mm -hmm. in the store. We are, and that's going to be at the store level, at the category level, at the store time. So we are compiling a lot of information from within Carrefour, from the history, from outside. So that you have dynamic pricing, depending on the hour of the day or the day of the week, I could that's have different the prices. That's the vision, that's the vision, to have dynamic prices and, we ha and to have personalized... Personalized pricing. Promotion and Promotion. offers yeah. for the customer. Yeah. Whether he's in the store or he's in online. Yeah. 
So that, that, that can only be done through data, through good quality data. The other one is, and I touched a bit about on a personalized uh, approach, right? We think that more than 80% of the customer basket mm -hmm. on the grocery side can be predicted. Can imagine that, yes. So that's what we are working on right now to build algorithms that will predict what is the customer going to buy. When. If, if I walk into your shop, you already know 80% of what I'm going to buy. Correct. And that you can help me to make that more efficient. And, and I, I can help you to make that more efficient and I can give you potentially special prices. So that I can incentivize you to become loyal and, 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 and come to Carrefour because I know you. I know what you do. I know what you like, when you like. And then I will, I will meet that need of the customer in the store and in online. Great, Gabriella. We talked about cloud. We talked about changing the way that you work. We talked about data. What's happening in the stores? How can you um, make the, uh, the, the automated stores more than, than what's happening today? So at the store level in Romania, and I think it's not only in Romania, right? Uh, we are struggling to find resources. That's the reality, right? Okay. That, uh, that's a huge demand of human resource. Even here in Romania? Even here in Romania. Wow. And with the speed that Carrefour is expanding, mm -hmm. the number of stores that we are opening, right? Uh, it's hard to find people to work in the store. Hard to find, and uh, you know there are probably more exciting roles than uh, being in a store. So, with technology, we have to improve the efficiency in the store. It's okay. critical. Um, we started to implement self-checkout a while ago. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2021, Carrefour was the first one to open the first hypermarket with 100% self-checkout okay. technology. We are implementing electronic shelf labels, which are going to be you know, the price of the product is going to be updated instantly. Yep. You don't have to print, you don't have to run around in the store and so on and so forth. That's a big one. That's a big one, yes. Yep. Uh, and uh, we are also um, working with group uh, to create the Carf uh, an automated store. It's actually created already. We have Carrefour Flash in France, mm -hmm. which is an autonomous store, Amazon type, where yep. you go, you buy and you get out of the store. Uh, and you pay instantly. Yep. Uh, so the concept is there, the technology is there. Now it's just about rolling it out in additional uh, countries. And you see that as a big future, that people want the convenience just to walk into the store, pick whatever they want, walk out and... Uh... Yes, I think so. I think so. During the pandemic, for example, what we noticed was that people, you know, they went to the store, but they wanted to have as less interaction as possible with yeah. the cashiers, with the people in the store, yeah. and so on. So um, I, I believe the young generations are going to embrace that uh, very fast. Okay. Let's talk more about automation. We're in here in the headquarters of, uh, in Bucharest of, of UiPath, who are in the business of uh, building software robots and so on and so on. So where are you in, in your journey in, uh, in implementing automation software in the, in, and, and in what domains are you applying that? First of all, I think automation is vital. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very often associated with efficiency, with uh, increase, decreased cost, yep. with quality. I think it's more than that. Mm -hmm. 
um, I think having automated operations in a company, for example, in IT, IT is busy with keeping the lights on, yep. right? So if you automate that work and you free up the resources to do something else, you're gonna have a big competitive advantage, yep. especially in the time where you know there is lack of IT resources on the market. Why hire someone that will do uh, a job that it's repetitive, right? Yep. You automate that role. It's a big competitive advantage to have automation up and running uh, from a from a resource perspective, from a retention, from an attrition point of view. Yep. Uh, where we are in the journey, uh, we did implement automation for HR processes and okay. for finance. Okay. HR, why HR? Because we are over 16,000 employees in Carrefour. Yeah. Hiring. is a big job. It's a big job. Yeah. Even, um, you know, setting up the interview with so many people. When you open a hypermarket, we are talking about thousands of people, right? That have to apply. The HR manager had to select the, the CVs. They have to schedule the interview and so on and so on. So we have a bot that does that. Yeah. You can go on the website. You can place the... Your, uh, you can candidate for the right store, the right role, and so on. And then the appointment is going to be done automatically uh, in the right location. Uh, we did it on finance as well because it's we have very complex uh, business, right, mm -hmm. with tons of invoices, reconciliations, and so on. So uh, we have a lot of bots. We even gave them some names like Emma. <laughs> uh, and uh, we are going to continue with automation in the IT. Mm -hmm. So we have to do something in IT to automate the repetitive tasks. Yeah. Uh, we are going to do automation and more artificial intelligence in the store, mm -hmm. even for search checkout, fraud detection, yeah. automatic shelf replacement as well. It's a big one as well, right, to put the product on the shelf in the right moment so that customer doesn't come there and they see the shelf empty. Yeah. So we will continue with that. We'll continue with the price optimization and we will continue with the automation of, um, of the logistics. That's the plan for, uh, for the next couple of years. So, Gabriela, automation, data, cloud, I mean, this digital transformation is enormous, right? So it's a huge, huge... Uh, plan that you're working on. So, um, how do you how do you make sure that you have the right IT organization for that? How are you building, maybe restructuring uh, your your IT organization? So, um, when I joined Carrefour in 2020, I rebuilt the organization almost from like totally. Wow. Um, IT was. I wouldn't say disconnected from the business, but they were not so engaged in understanding what do they do, why they do. Yep. So I restructured the organization and I brought different profiles. How do we operate right now? My IT team is organized on business domains. Okay. So I have a team who is in charge with digital platforms, all the technology for the e-commerce, for the mobile app, for the customer service, for the social uh, listening and so on. Yep. Um, basically all the customer interaction. The other team is in charge with store, supply chain and logistics, which is huge. Yeah. So the technology for store, supply chain and logistics, they are the one working with the logistic director, with the store directors to understand what do they need yeah. uh, and, and make the plan. Uh, the other team, which didn't exist before, uh, is 
uh, enterprise data and integration. That's another one that uh, I created when I came. Cloud and infrastructure, cybersecurity as well is under my, um, under IT. Yep. It's uh, under my, uh, my responsibility. And I also have data scientists, innovation, and the e-commerce is a different story. Uh, we have in-house architecture, mm -hmm. enterprise solution architecture, so we own our future architecture. Okay. That wasn't the case before. Uh, we have IT project management, analysis, and so on. Development is still done outside by the partners, so we do not do yet development in-house, mm -hmm. but hopefully that's going to happen pretty soon. And what is special is that you not only have the CIO role, but also the data role, which is, I mean, it's a big responsibility getting all and organizing the data and coming to a, a data governance and, 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 and unified business data model and so on, but also e-commerce. So the business, let's talk a little bit about your business role there as yes. well. How do you, why is that with you? <laughs> well, um... I always wanted to, to, to do more on the business side. And I think uh, I accepted the challenge on the e-commerce side because it's part of it is technology. Yeah. A right? big part of it. A big part of it is technology. It's the platforms that we have. It's the integration. It's everything, right, mm -hmm. that I knew. Yep. So I thought it's going to be a nice bridge for me to understand the, the business side of it. Yep. Uh, and I'm grateful to my boss and the CTO that they agreed uh, yeah. with me taking the role. I started in January. It's a big stretch. Uh, learning a lot on a day-to-day -day basis. But you know what? It helped me put in perspective the importance of technology. Yeah. It helped me think through why do I invest in that? Mm -hmm. When do I invest in it? How do I balance um, what I ask from IT? versus what I can provide from a business perspective. Yeah. And it's working so far. It's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, on top of Bringo that I mentioned to you uh, that we had launched in 2015 with 90 minutes delivery, we are now delivering in 60 minutes. Okay. And we have plans to expand that to 30 minutes and even quick commerce in the upcoming years, which is 15 minutes. How is that organized? Is that still done out of the local stores? Yes. Do an e-commerce uh, order and it goes to a store and somebody does the picking yes. in the store or, yes. and, and, then, yes. and then I can either do a pickup myself or you, or you deliver at home. It's we, we, in Romania, clients are preferring delivery at home. We have the click and collect so you can go in the store to take it. But more than 90% of the orders that we have in Bringo are home delivery in 90 minutes. And we recently reached a 5 million order mm -hmm. in Romania. That's what Bringo. It's uh, almost 7% of our total business through oh. Bingo. Okay. And we launched the partnership with Glovo this year because we wanted to be where the customers are. So we sell through Bingo, 90 minutes delivery, 60 minutes delivery, covering all the country. Yep. And we also uh, sell through Glovo. You have the role of CIO, data officer, e-commerce director, and you're there for over a year now. Yes. Um, so where is your focus today? Where do you spend most of your time um, in, in further uh, taking your role forward? So I, I, I like to say that I do tech for business, not tech for tech, mm -hmm. and bring value to the business through technology. 
The, where do I spend most of my time is understanding how I can do that, speaking with the business, understanding the business processes and, and bringing the technology, mm -hmm. the efficient technology that will help that particular problem. Yeah. And uh, if I would have to say, to, to do, to say what is the, the other part is spending time with my team. Mm -hmm. Spend a lot of time with my team to get to know them, to understand their motivations, Remember that we are a young team, right? So I'm not, yep. I'm uh, with Carrefour less than two years and I rebuilt the team totally yep. when I came. So 85% of my leadership team are less than a year in a row. Okay. Now, there's not that many female CIOs around today. As when you started, you were one of the very few studying uh, computer science, but even today, there's not that many. Is there something that you see as, as an advantage for you being a woman leading an IT team and, and, and maybe some disadvantage? How, how do you look at that today? I think today it becomes the new normal. Mm -hmm. um, and I was reading a study in uh, Romania and um, in Rom Romania is quite, it's doing well in regards with C-level leadership roles for women. Okay, it's good. one of the top three in Europe, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it's good. So you have strong women in, in yes. Romania. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think in the past, uh, it was a bit more difficult for me 20 years ago because I, I felt like I had to work harder to prove harder to be better, to be accepted, best, yeah. to be accepted within the, the male community. Uh, today, no, I don't feel it. I think uh, we are equal. And uh, from time to time, I feel like also for the men, maybe it's not uh, too fair, right? Because I realized when I was in London, in British American Tobacco, by speaking with some of my friends, that um, if you have two candidates for a CRO, CIO role, and one is male and one is woman, the woman will get the advantage. Yep. And I think it's not fair. <laughs> I think we go to... A bit too, too extreme, right? Yeah. Uh, in this gender equality, yeah, 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 yeah. it's about being competent and being the right fit for the role, not that you are a woman or a man. Yeah. But how, how, what's the situation in your teams today? So 16,000 people in Carrefour, Romania. How, how many in IT in total? Well, we are a little bit over 50. Over 50. And so how many... What's the, how inclusive are you gender-wise and, and so on in your teams? You got me with this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have as many women as I would like. Okay. So it's, uh, I would say it's 80% uh, men. Okay. Or even 85. Mm -hmm. So as hopefully I will have the chance to grow my team more and insource more technology talents, hopefully I will find more women in IT. But now I wouldn't say we are equally balanced. There is still work to be done. So you explained how you have, what your operating model is and the different teams, more product oriented, run store, e-commerce and so on and so on. How do you, what is your management style? How do you make sure that the different teams that they're successful, that you attract the right people, that you can retain them. How would you describe your style? So my style, first of all, as a manager, uh, as a management style is more like democratic participative one. Mm -hmm. um, I do trust, empower, and listen my team a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm there for them when they need me all the time. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter the hour of the day and so on and so forth. I'm there for them when they need me. I trust them a lot, really, that's, uh, that's key. And 
in terms of how do I attract, uh, when I joined Carrefour and I hired tens of people in less than three months, actually, mm -hmm. I was of only being, how did you do it? How did you do it in such a competitive market during the pandemic where people would not want to make a change? Yeah. And I wanted the best talent on the market and I got them. So um, the truth is that people followed me. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the biggest achievements for me as a leader. Mm -hmm. I have people who came to work for me because I worked with them in the past okay. and they felt motivated and they grew with me and they followed me. So the reality is that in Carrefour, and I'm proud of it, I have people that I worked with in, in, in Avon, in Vodafone, in British American Tobacco. And once they came, right, they also have their own people. Yeah. So it's through network. And, and I always believe that the world is small. And if you are a good leader, you motivate, you grow your team, they will follow you and they will come and work for you. Um, and how do I keep them motivated? Because even though I knew some of them, some of them are new, mm -hmm. my direct line is only men, right? They are very strong and smart. And when I build a team, I spend a lot of time to think through how they will complement each other, how they will work together, yeah. what is their uh, each and every individual strength and weakness and how they are going to grow as a team. Yeah. And I spend a lot of time on that. I spend a lot of time with them in the first months mm -hmm. to get the dynamic going. And it's very important for me and for them, as far as I, I, I noticed so far, uh, to create a, an environment of safe. They feel safe in the environment. They feel safe to speak up. They feel safe to, you know, to express their needs, yep. their weaknesses, and speak about solution. It's safety and trust in the team. It's a lot of safety and trust. It's a safe environment to speak, and they feel um, supported. And if I would go to your team today, and I would ask them to describe you, how would... How do you think that they will describe you when you're not around? When yes. so, um... so uh, I'm pretty sure they will say I walk the talk. Mm -hmm. Every time I promise something, I will I will do it. I walk the talk. I have high energy, um, and I'm pretty sure they would say I I act with integrity and respect okay. with them and with my business partners. Gabriella, you have um, shared with us your MBTI profile. Um, and you uh, have come out as a console, as an ESFJ. So you're extroverted, observant, feeling, and you have judge, judging personality traits. And consoles, ESFJs, are typically attentive and people-focused. And they enjoy taking part in the social community. Their achievements are guided by decisive values and they willingly offer guidance to others. So it's a, it's a typical uh, management profile, I would say. And strengths of people with your profile is that they have strong practical skills, they have a strong sense of duty, they're typically very loyal, they're sensitive and warm, and they're good at connecting with others. Does that fit the bill? It's... Uh... <laughs> Uh, spot on. You okay. know, when I did the MBTI uh, last week, it's been a while since I did it. I was, oh my God, this is uh, insane. <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. Um, I have a strong sense of duty. Mm -hmm. 
um, and I guess it comes from my childhood. As I was watching my father, um, you know, I learned from him a lot how passionate he was for his job, how, how, how seriously he took his job, irrespectively of the time of, uh, of in his life, in his yeah. experience. He would always prepare. He would always really take it seriously. So uh, I think that's the moment when it started. I have a strong sense of duty indeed. I'm good at connecting with others. It's true. It's true. And uh, at work and outside work, I'm a very social person and I get energy from people. Okay. Uh, for example, you know, during the pandemic, it was okay. But I felt the burning need to be in the office, <laughs> to feel the people around me, to get the energy, to, to see their reaction, their body language. So uh, I, I get a lot of energy from people and I do connect them. I always look at win-win situations, understand them, what they motivates them, what frustrates them and okay. how can I, can I connect them really. When you connect people towards a shared goal, is, uh, it's amazing. Uh, yes, I think on the weaknesses side... Well, we'll come to the weaknesses <laughs> in a moment. Okay. <laughs> I'll do the weaknesses. <laughs> So, yes, and loyal. I'm very loyal, okay. indeed. I'm loyal um, to, you know, to, to the company, to the leaders yep. and to my team and to my, to my business stakeholders as well. And uh, building long-lasting relationship. Even today, I have people that are calling me, uh, for example, um, when I was in New York and I built a team, right? Uh -huh. uh, a month ago, some of them, and it's eight years, right? It's eight years since then. And he called me and he said, Gabby, I have to talk to you. I'm going to make a change in my career. I need your advice. What do you think? Is it good? Is it bad? I was, oh my God, this is like, it made me so happy to see that they value my friendship, my input, yep. and, and, and we nurtured that relationship you know, beyond the, the time and beyond the ocean, right? Because they are on the, on the U.S. side. And you still don't regret that you haven't followed your father's footsteps and became a math teacher? Uh, not, no, I actually, I didn't tell you that, but I tried. I finished university. I went uh, to a high school in Bucharest for, I believe it was two months and a half. Two months. <laughs> <laughs> and I was 21. I had high school um, classes, huh? and uh, it, it was challenging, I have to admit. It was challenging. The, the, the age difference... It was only a couple of years. It was three years difference. <laughs> it was three years difference, right? I had, um, you know, we were basically almost the same age, and I took my job seriously. I was passionate about math. I, and, you know, and, um, yeah, and I said, you know what, this is not for me. <laughs> I have to do something else, really. Okay. Yes. Let's talk about weaknesses of the company. Or let's say areas of development, <laughs> potential areas of development of people with your personality are that sometimes they're worried about their social status. They can sometimes be inflexible, reluctant to innovate or to improvise, vulnerable for criticism, uh, sometimes too needy, too selfless, where do you recognize? What are your areas of development and how have you approached them? Uh, yes, um, it, it is related with the social part that you just mentioned. I am conflict averse. Oh, yeah. I don't like to get in conflicts with people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, healthy conflicts are good. But because of that, I have to manage the way 
I react to conflicts because in the past I used to avoid conflicts and I will leave it to the point where... It starts to rot. It starts to rot, so, so it's going to be a big conflict, right? Yeah. I don't do that anymore. I manage conflicts. I still don't like to get in conflicts with people yeah. and it gets a lot of my energy inside, right? Yeah. It takes a lot of energy for me to have a conflict with someone because I, don't, I, I just, um, you know, that's my nature. And the other one is... Um, I tend to take too much care of people and I forget about my needs. Too selfless. <laughs> so, indeed. So, uh, yeah, about my team, about my job, about the sense of duty at home, mm -hmm. in the so office. So you have to take care of yourself. So, more, yes, sometimes. I have I have to take care of myself and express my needs more. Okay. I don't do it. I tend to forget about it. If we had to summarize all this, what is it that really, in your personal life, in your professional life, what is it that really drives you? When at the end of the week are you happy? I'm happy when I'm of value to business or to someone and I make an impact in, um, you know, in someone's life or I help someone to succeed or I help someone to, to fix a problem. That, that really what drives me, yeah. To be of value to someone or to something. Yep, okay. You have a daughter, seven years old. Yep. So what is it that you pass on to her? What are the core values that you yourself live by and that you uh, want to give? There are two really that are my core values, respect and integrity. And the third I will want to teach her, and I do already, is not to take anything for granted, really. Mm -hmm. Work for it and value what you have. Mm -hmm. Because these days I realize that with so much around, right, yeah. kids tend to get things for granted. It's not good. You have to understand that you have to work for it and value what you have. So respect integrity and don't take anything for granted. Work for it. Okay. Do you have a personal mantra, Gabriela? I do. It's, um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you my personal mantra. I don't know if you'll recognize it, but uh, it's actually from the Pirates of the Caribbean. From the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> It's from Jack Sparrow, and I love it, actually. It's simple, but I find it deep, and it helps me on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh -huh. so, so it says, the problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. That's what Jack Sparrow said? Yes. Wow. And how do you interpret so it? So it, 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 it's a lot about how you react to the problem that you face with, right? Yeah. Very often, it's the problem is not the problem itself. It's something else. It's how you react to it or... You have to take a step back and think through, is that the problem, really? No. So, yeah, it's, um, I like it because it's uh, it also a bit funny because, uh, you know, the, the Jack Sparrow character and so on. But it's simple and deep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So that, that, that makes me think about, you, you shared that you um, lived, what was it, two years in New York? Yeah. And that was some of the best professional and personal time of your life, why, what, what's so special about living in New York? Uh, I think it's uh, how I got there and uh, what I achieved mm -hmm. despite the, um, the challenges I had. Yeah. So um, I'll tell you the story. It was December and my, my boss, and actually it's my mentor, I'll speak about him. He called me and he said, Gabby, there is a role in New York, would you like, would you like to take it? It was before Christmas. <laughs> I said, yes. 
I didn't ask any question. <laughs> what is the role about? How long it's going to be? What do I have to do there? What do I have to know in order to be successful in the role, right? So I said, yeah. I moved to New York. I got there in January. I find there a team with zero motivation, a project which was delayed more than one year, and we had seven months to make it happen. Wow. Right? And I was... And also, it was a different culture. It was a totally different country, a totally different... I was, oh my God. And I didn't know the mobile technology. It was 2013 when I had to develop mobile, uh, mobile apps mm -hmm. for the Avon world. So I said, wow, what am I going to do? We had to go live on 27th of July. I will never forget that. It was January, 3rd of January when I moved. So no team, delayed one year. The project was committed to the Wall Street, oh. right? It was part of the digital transformation. So yeah, um, I, I didn't know where to start really, but the aha moment was when my previous leader, he came to New York and he said, what's wrong, Gabi? If there is anyone that can make this project happen, it's you. I'm sure you're gonna make it. I was like, there is no way I'm going to disappoint Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, um, that year, actually, it's not only that we managed to get the project back on track. I picked my battles with the people. Mm -hmm. There were some of, some of the team members that no one believed in. I picked my battles with them. I gave them a shared goal, a purpose. Mm -hmm. I told them we are going to go live in July. And the second market we are going to go live with, and the third, is going to be zero defects in UAT. They looked at me and they said, wow, what is this lady speaking about? They, they said, no, this is not possible. I said, guys, it's possible. So after seven months, we were celebrating success together. We launched uh, the first country and it was against the clock, really. I was on the flight and uh, it was the time when, uh, you know, the Google will, uh, store will approve the, the bill. In the morning, there was a big investor's call, so the application had to be in the, in the store, and we made it. It was at 6 a.m. it was approved. At 9 a.m. New York time, the investor's call will start. <laughs> yes, and that year we overachieved. We delivered more markets than we planned. And the second year, actually, um, after my second year, I left. And um, I promoted one of the team members that I trusted from the day one since I arrived in New York. And I left and I watched the team um, one more year from Romania. Yeah. And they were one of the best delivery teams in the group. Wow. And the guy I promoted, he did a better job than I did. And I was very proud. Watching him doing a better job than I did, it, it made my heart full of joy. Really? Yeah. I think leaders create leaders and followers. And um, that's, that, that's why I think it was a... Quite a turnaround story. Uh, yeah, an experience that I will value for the rest of my life. You talked about that uh, manager there being one of your mentors. Yes. Talk a little bit more about the different mentors and, and important people that you had in your career. Yeah, I have uh, three. It's my dad, mm -hmm. first of all, uh, that I mentioned a couple of times. Math teacher, I wanted to study math because of him. Uh, when I was four, it's funny, uh, I used to follow him at school. So he would teach in front of the pupils, right? I, I used to follow him and just stay there quietly and observe and listen and so on. 
So that was the time when I said, I'm going to be a math teacher. I'm going to follow him, right? And um, why? Because he loved his job. You could see the passion he's been putting in. Mm -hmm. He always worked hard. And he was not an easy math teacher, right? You cannot find easy math teacher. He was quite tough. <laughs> but people would love him because he had good results and he had charisma. Um, and then it's uh, Bob. It's, uh, I met him in Avon. He was my leader and my mentor for many years. Mm -hmm. um, he, was, he believed in me more than I did. I had moments when I thought, I'm not going to make it. I'm not able to do this. And he had that, he had that power, that empathy, that experience of finding what motivates you, what drives you, take the best out of you. And uh, yeah, I, I owe him a lot from my leadership style. And uh, even today I speak with him, you know, he retired. And uh, we speak every time, uh, and he cares about me. I moved to London in a different company. He called me. That's what I'm trying to do for my, uh, for my team as well. And last but not least is really my husband. Mm -hmm. Without his support, he followed me to New York. He left his job. Uh, then we had a child. He followed me to London. He left his job to take care of my daughter so that I could have a, you know, a career yep. and a big, big impact in my life. Okay. From him as well. You talked about, Gabi, you talked about passion and, 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 uh, and that your father was very passionate teaching math. And you're clearly very passionate yourself in, in, in your work and with your, uh, your daughter and your family and so on. What are the, um, besides family, uh, what are really the, your personal passions outside of work? I mentioned music. I played violin as a child, wow. <laughs> but you know why? It's because uh, I was born during the communists, mm -hmm. right? And uh, my father was uh, a rebel. He wanted to live outside Romania. He couldn't back he then. Couldn't. You didn't have the choice, right? You didn't have the choice. And he said, I have two daughters, twins. What can I do for them so they can have chances to leave Romania at some point in time? And it was really gymnastics or music. So he bought us violins and I started to play violin. Uh, he was thinking that I'll get in an orchestra and then I'll get out of Romania. Oh, yeah, that was the plan. <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> so yes, I played violin and uh, it, uh, it, it, since then when I uh, started to love music, it mm. creates a lot of discipline yep. and I love music. And it's not like I love classic music really. I turned into more like classic rock music. <laughs> but I love to go to concerts. I love music. I, there, is, there isn't one single day without music in my life. So for that, New York and London must have been yes, excellent. Yeah, excellent, excellent. I went to all the possible concerts and, you know, live music and so on. Yes, exactly. So, Gabi, you have made a lot of success in different companies. Uh, but we all make our mistakes. We all have our failures. So... Would you care sharing with us what was your most brilliant failure and what did you learn from it? You know, it's uh, interesting because I can smile about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> At least I can smile about it right now. And I had a brilliant failure, as I call it, right? Mm -hmm. And you know what? It was the, my first three months in Vodafone. Mm -hmm. So I left even after a very successful career, yep. being used with a leadership style. I didn't do my research about 
what really means to change the rule? What it really means to have a different culture, to adopt a different, to, to a different culture, right? Yeah. And what is really that you have to do in your first three months when you land in a company? I was clueless. So I landed in Vodafone and for the first three months, I really didn't take the time to understand what's going on around me, to understand my, my boss, style and expectation, politics, people, culture and so on. So I jumped directly into, I'm gonna do X, Y, Z. It didn't work. No. And the way you position what you do in the first three months, Super it's super important. Yeah. I, I, I failed. I failed and, um, you know, even though after I tried to, to recover, right, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. So I think it's very, very important when you make a change, especially after so many years in a company with a certain leadership style, to do your research at to where do you go? Yeah. Do you resonate with the value of those companies? And if not, oh yes, what do you do in the first three months? Make a plan for your first three months, which I didn't. I didn't in Vodafone and Telecom is insanely beautiful, but tough in the same time. Okay. I mean, that's a brilliant <laughs> learning, no? Yes, indeed, indeed. Okay. And I used the learning as I landed in Carrefour. Yep. I didn't do the same mistake again. On the contrary, I took it to perfection, so okay. to say. So you're... Past teams can call you if they take a new job on the house. Looking back at your complete professional but certainly personal life, mm -hmm. what is the one thing that you would consider was the best thing that has ever happened? I think it's gonna sound uh, probably you hear this a lot. It's really my daughter. The arrival of my daughter. Mm -hmm. I was uh, 37. How did, how did that change you? Well, I was uh I started to understand even more my parents. Mm -hmm. I realized the joy they have uh, when, uh, you know, um, when my daughter arrived. And I also understood how important it is to be patient and curious and learn. Mm -hmm. Watching a kid growing, right, and yep. the curiosity they have and the way they look at life and enjoy the little things, it's amazing. So, um, yeah, I think those were the big three things. And did, you, did it change you as well as, as a leader and as a manager, this, this experience of, of bringing a daughter and bringing new life in, uh, in life? Interestingly, no. No, indeed. I mean, no one asked me this question and I didn't think about it. But no, I don't think so. No. Okay. No. I was compassionate. I, I mean, I had high empathy before. Mm -hmm. And I, I cared about people as well. So I think it's, uh, no, it's more or less the same. Okay. More or less the same, yeah. So that was the best thing that ever The happened. best thing that have ever happened. So indeed. let's look at the other extreme. <laughs> and in your, in your personal life, if you would care to, uh, to share it with us, what was the, the worst thing that's ever happened to you? And, and what did you learn from that? I, I think it's, it's still related with Vodafone. Right, because after those first three months, I did a lot of effort in compensating and, and working extra hours to prove myself. Yeah. And uh, remember I told you I lose uh, sight of my needs? Well, back then I was, I, I couldn't even feel when I was physically ill. I was so tired. 
uh, of, of the effort mentally and physical that I would do that. I was so tired. And I remember around September, I came home, my daughter was three and she would barely, I mean, she was speaking, but she was like, imagine a little, and she, she knew I'm, and she said, mom, mommy, why are you always so sad? Yeah. And I didn't realize that until that moment, I didn't realize that. And that was the point where I said to myself, I'm not going to do this to myself or to my daughter. But, but I did it for the first nine months in the role, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was the, the moment, the worst, the worst thing, yeah. But a big learning as big well. Big learning, to big learning, more, totally. To take care of yourself. and uh, Yes, big uh, learning, big learning. And, so um, you clearly love your family a lot. What is it that you uh, fear most in your life? I don't have a lot of fears, but I think it's, uh, I would say maybe getting old and lazy. Not getting old, but lazy. <laughs> your, f- you know? your fear is to become lazy. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I watch, uh, you know, different friends of my parents and uh, my, my husband's parents, right? Uh-huh. And it's amazing the difference when you see people who are not, I mean, Literally, right? They don't use their brain. They don't do physical activity. They become lazy because they retire. And they get older so much faster than the other ones which are active. So I think I keep saying to myself, when I will retire, really, I don't want to become lazy. I need to stay active. (laughs) I don't know how am I going to do it, but that's one of the fears that I will retire. And, you know, what do I do not to be lazy and keep my mind and my body active? <laughs> well, maybe that's something that you have to learn. Yes. To become lazy and to take time for yourself and, and to relax. And uh, so maybe that's one of your good development insight. areas. Yes. So, Gabi, these videos are watched by many people around the globe. And a part of them are young, ambitious, future digital leaders. People that have the ambition to follow in your footsteps and become the CIO of a, of a global company of a big brand, a big organization, uh, what is the advice that you would give to them? Or what would the advice that you would give to yourself when you started in your career? What, is the, what are your main learnings that you could pass on to the, uh, to the next generation? My advice is to find their passion, work hard for it, mm-hmm. and value themselves. If they value themselves, the other will as well. On that note, Gabi, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure being here with you. And uh, I wish you a lot of success in your your career. It, uh, It was really a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.